It can be dangerously easy to steal your identity during tax season because so much sensitive info is all together. Before we start the annual meeting of Sean's personal info, uh, has anyone seen social security number? Not me. Nope. Nuh-uh. Oh, no. He's been stolen. LifeLock by Norton makes it easy to help protect yourself. If you become a victim, we'll work to fix it. No one can monitor all transactions, but you can save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Identity theft protection starts here. One, two, five! Lisa! Three! yourselves, America. This is Defenders Live. Hello, everybody. How y'all doing now? You're way too happy and in. What? You're you're way too upbeat. I've had a good day today. Okay, good. Well, you know, I've 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 been able to stay home today. You know, I uh, I woke up and I was only in half the pain that I was in yesterday. So it's not bad. I'm I'm good. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad that you're happy. It's nice. I'm glad. You... I finished some extracurricular things that I was doing. You know, made sure that those got taken care of. I'm not going to ask. Don't worry about it. That's a, <laughs> it's just there. It's done, and that's all and that that's matters. That's all that matters. I was able to accomplish things that I needed to accomplish today, which makes me happy. Good. Well, I'm happy that you're happy that you got to accomplish something that you well, wanted you. to accomplish. Thank you. No problem. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. Okay, good. Absolutely. Right. That We're not here to do a show at all. No. Well, no. That's no, not, no. I'm, not, here to, <laughs> I'm here to get out of the house and drink coffee. and. Ah, well. Yeah. That's it's always what good. I'm here to do. Oh, and I don't even have social medias up. Oh, nope, darn. No, that's okay. Oh, <laughs> darn. Dang, darn, dang it. Rat. Fiddlesticks. Right. Fiddlesticks and poppycocks. Anyway. So, so we lost somebody. We did. We did. We, uh, see, now you're going to bring my day down. I know, and I am so sorry. Who did, who did we lose? We, we, Herman Cain passed away. Herman how do I know that name? He uh, was running for president at, I believe it was the last election. Was it the last? Uh, uh-huh. 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 Yeah, okay, okay. He was one okay. of the, uh, All right. the All right. many running for president. Right. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm, 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 um, mm-hmm. How do we lose him? Well, he's been suffering. He's had cancer for a long time. Right, okay. Long yeah, time. and he's been fighting cancer for a while. I he get has. it. That's yeah. yeah. So uh, he died from coronavirus. Sorry, what? He, he he passed away. He died uh-huh. from coronavirus. You said he was fighting cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had it real bad. He had it real bad. I'm, I'm trying to look yeah. right now. The uh, so he had exactly really, which really one. bad cancer. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that he died of COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 how it, exactly how it was. So He's, a man, a man fighting for his life with cancer, died of COVID nineteen today. Yes, yesterday, yesterday. The right. uh, CEO of Godfather's Pizza. Right. 
And uh, everybody is saying that he is after battling coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Everybody's saying that. And that's not entirely forthcoming. <laughs> now. How about third comings? Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, I, he, that's good. I don't know how many he had. Oh, okay. Um, now, it's not to say that it, complications mm-hmm. with it didn't help the matter. Right, okay. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he had cancer. Ah, well. So he died from cancer. Okay. Not from... Not from coronavirus. Coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'm really tired mm-hmm. of the... Dying of coronavirus or everything. dying of COVID-19 and all the rest of it. And especially, the clap. Yeah, especially when stuff. it's not anything. I'm, and I'm sorry, I, I still don't... It's not a big deal. It's not. I saw I saw a thing that I was walking, and I had to look at it twice to make sure I was reading it properly. Mm-hmm. But on the TV, um, at work, they you know they always have the news on, of course. Right, right. Unless you're in one of the newer buildings that they just built, and for some reason somebody keeps watching Cartoon Network, which I love. That's hilarious. It is. That's awesome. Uh huh. But uh, <laughs> so, uh, they had the news on, of course. Right, right. Watching it, and I'm badging in and all this jazz and and uh they were talking about you know trump was speaking mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. light of the or was it as as the coronavirus death toll hit 152,000 okay out of how many people again well out of america i'm gonna go you know was that three point or is it seven some seven something billion something like that no, that's seven billion on the planet. It's right, like right. So it's three hundred million or something like that. Yeah, three hundred million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the United States. Uh huh. Yep, completely sweeping the nation. It's it's killing everybody, <sighs> dying, dying. You know, I'm not gonna go keep going into that because it irritates me. Ah, uh, well, you know, that's Twitch. okay. That's the thing. Funny enough. Uh, <clears throat> So Herman Cain died of COVID nineteen. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Bless uh, his heart. That sucks for him. Everybody's, you know, gonna... was he tall? I don't know. I never personally met the man. Didn't meet him? No. They didn't have a bio up on him? No, I didn't read it. Uh, the reason why I ask is because... I could go look on WikiLeaks. Apparently, on, uh, uh, Fox 13, Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, is now telling people that people over the six, uh, over six foot tall are more than twice as likely to be diagnosed with the coronavirus. This is a result of new surveys. New surveys. In Florida. You know, the same place where everybody is 100%... COVID positive. Uh-huh. That, that same place, they've also done a study saying that if you're over six foot tall, you have a higher likelihood, more than twice as likely. Okay. You are more than twice as likely to catch COVID-19. Huh. Yeah. You see, well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think that. So, okay. So that's weird. Right. I wouldn't think that. I'm, I'm, I'm over six foot. Right, I'm not. Yeah. The matter of fact, uh, according to, and again, this is 2006. Right, when they did the study. But uh, I'm trying to see if there's one that shows oh, it no, that's, newer. that's the newest one. That'll be the newest one. That is one. the newest yeah. one. According to uh, a, a thing done by ABC News and Technology, blah, blah, mm-hmm. the CDC says the average height for Americans, uh, again, as of 2006, is uh, five foot nine inches, which means I am for a, men. I am exactly average, mm-hmm. and women are five four. That's the average. Mm-hmm. So, 
if the average yes. is five nine. Yes. And there is still three inches. <laughs> thank you. Between the average uh-huh. and even the lower level tall. The lower line, yeah, for what they're saying mm, over here yeah, in yeah. Tampa. Right. Um mm-hmm. I'm just I, the point I'm trying to get at in a very long roundabout way. Mm-hmm. Long way. Thank you. Thank you. Three inches is long. Yeah, it, well, no, it's not. It is for some people. Um, <laughs> Only what's his face that measured <laughs> from the base. Well, it depends on. Are you measuring from the taint or not? I was, well, I was going to say, is it in your face or someone else? Because <laughs> I'd be crying like a little girl. Anyway. Nope. No. I, uh, but you're talking a three-inch difference between the average mm-hmm. and oh, being six-footer over. That's once again. Just need to, but if, but again, so we're if, talking about height here, guys. Yeah. If this is the average right. height, mm-hmm. then that means there are very few people, or fewer people, obviously. There are fewer people, yes, that are of the six foot or higher range, which Maybe. means yes, an even smaller demographic because they use they're 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 trying to find everything. I've I've noticed there's you know supposedly black people are more susceptible supposedly. Right, right. Uh, now apparently people six, six foot, foot and over taller, uh, which I don't understand. Once again, why. it doesn't make sense because they're up top, right? If you are a person well, who a is more, yeah, if you're a person who's more apt to be sneezed upon, yes, or coughed on because yes. of your height, shouldn't you be that person? Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, they say that his stuff is transferred through the droplets, right? And okay. those the the gravity. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Gravity eventually causes said droplets to hit the ground. I mean, gravity. Stay the hell away from me, but I digress. <laughs> I was thinking my chemical romance, actually. Oh, were you really? Uh-huh. Oh, well. Don't mean that much to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you gravity go. Gravity doesn't mean that much to me. Anyway, um, <laughs> but yes, gravity eventually pulls the droplets to the ground, meaning, ergo, VCV, if you are six foot or higher, you should actually be less susceptible to getting it because, one, there's... Also, the air's thinner. The, I hadn't got there yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you for jumping ahead. Sorry, sorry. The air is thinner. <laughs> um, there are less of you and gravity. Right. All those things really don't bode well for you catching it as much as somebody else that is shorter than you. Yes, so, again, I, I, I'm trying to understand. Science does not prevail here. No. 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 Uh-uh. And apparently, neither does logic and common sense. Ah, but you know where logic and common sense do prevail? American Pride Roasters. Oh, I was going to say, it's not here. No, 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 no. It's American Pride Roasters. American Pride Roasters. So amazing. This is one of the best places that you can find. Right now, in our cups, we have Watson's White Chocolate Caramel. Good old Watson. It is such a good freaking cup of coffee. I mean, if you've ever wanted mm. a delicious dessert coffee, this is it. This is the one. Yeah, this is this the- is the coffee that you can have, even if you had it in decaf, which by the way, I don't do, but he does have that option. If you did it as decaf. Yeah, why would mm. Well, you know, maybe you just can't take the caffeines and so you have it in the morning, but then you want caf you want coffee. But you don't want the caffeine. I can get it. I got it. It's fine. I don't recommend it, mainly because I don't ever touch decaf because I need the caffeine. 
But if you did, I am sure that this would be one of the flavors that you would be go to every single time. Yes. It is very it's it's one of my favorites. Matter of fact, we I just finished off uh this morning I made the last pot of the open bag of Madison. <laughs> and I'm thinking that the next bag I will be opening will be the Watson's White. Because chocolate caramel. Exactly. Because it's so good. It really is. It it mm. and the best part about it is the flavors are not if you pick a flavor and as someone who drinks it black, you don't add anything to it, you still get the flavor. It's not overpowering. It doesn't it doesn't, you know, kick you in the nads and mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. say, Ha ha ha, look at my flavors. Right. It's it's subtle, it's it's smooth. It is. It's one of I say one of. It is the best cup of coffee. You're ever going to find AmericanPrideRoasters.com is where you go to check out to get coffees. Mm-hmm. He has teas. Mm-hmm. He has mm-hmm. chocolate drops. Mm-hmm. Go over there. Just look around. See what's over there. Check out the interesting. The, I mean, he's got so many different interesting flavors. And again, doesn't even have to do flavors. You can have just a regular black cup of joe. Right. And it would still be delicious. Very good. Yes. So go over there. AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Historically great coffee. AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Come. Now, speaking of American Pride Roasters, uh, we had a box come in. Uh, we did. We're going to save it for tomorrow. Okay. I think. <sighs> we'll see what happens. I think we should save it for tomorrow. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Well, yeah. Whatever. I'm. I think that's. I think that's probably the best way to go. Sure. Uh, make sure we get through there. But uh, while while we're waiting on those things and not talking about that and not getting into the packages, I was going to say. So we. You brought it up for absolutely no reason. No, no, no. I'm saying tomorrow we have a package. Yeah, but if we're not opening it now... But we have a package tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. No, I got that. Yeah. But I'm saying if you're not mm-hmm. opening it now... No, no, no I, Just because. Then we could just... I'm also acknowledging that we did receive the package, 209. We did get your package. And it's a lot smaller than I had anticipated. He still saw you. Really? <laughs> nice. Anyway. <laughs> Thank God for live radio. That's good times. Uh, so Democrat Tennessee Senator uh, Oh wait, hold on. Oh, wait, 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 hold what? on. What? Twitter what? real fast. Twitters. For you can go. Can you guys suggest a coffee that whiskey could be paired with? Um parent good right now a struggle. Ah, so um American Pride Roasters is a great coffee to pair with the whiskeys. Yes. Um ask my wife, she does it pretty much almost yeah. every evening. I'm pretty sure that... Uh, I don't have any more, so that means that she definitely did. Yeah. <laughs> she was doing it. And it's my turn to buy the bottle, so... Well, it's okay. I think I'm still going to buy another one anyway. Because <laughs> it's so good. It's delicious. But yeah, um, pretty much any coffee that uh, that we've had from American Pride Roasters I was blends say, well. As long I, as... The, as long as it's APR. Yeah, as long as the package says... American Pride Roasters. American Pride Roasters. You're going to be fine. I don't think you're going to pick a bad one. I'm pretty sure that you're not. Mm-mm. So, just going to go there. Just there. Mm-mm. But anyway, yeah. I just wanted to break that out real quick before. Yeah. Well, that's fine. They're good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Democrat Tennessee State Senator charged with embezzling $600,000 in federal grants. Mm. Shocker. Oh, was I supposed to react to that? Yeah, I am yeah, yeah, yeah. So sorry. sorry. Yeah, no, I was, was waiting. I, I, you thought there was another shoe to drop, or? N- well, no. I, I mean, I know that nothing's going to happen to the guy. Right. I know that 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 I, there's nothing about any of this surprises me at all. Obviously, you haven't read the story because, according to the criminal complaint of the FBI, Senator Katrina Robinson, 
Aww. pulled funds from $2.2 million in grant money. One of her businesses received from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services over a period of four years from July 2015 to, uh, to 2019. Hmm. The complaints include a spreadsheet of transactions Robinson allegedly... I don't have that ready. Have what allegedly. Ready? Allegedly. Wow, the sounder's not working. Okay, that's fine. What? Allegedly. Oh, I'm sorry. I can... Give me half a second. No, no, no. Allegedly. There you go. There you go. Sorry. I I, mm-hmm. I don't know why it's not working on yours. But anyway, That's continue on. Weird. Allegedly. 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 There you go. Thank you. It might just be my stuff. That's possible. I'll work on it later. <sighs> Gosh, now I screwed Allegedly up. made you uh, mm-hmm. using federal funds. There we she, go. She spent money on... F- Including $169,000 in salary bonuses to herself. Yep. Which is always great. You give yourself a bonus. Once a year, you get your review time comes through, (laughs) and you sit down, and you give yourself a review, and you say, you know, you've been a team player. You've been really good today. This year has been so great for you. We're just going to throw you a bonus. $169,000. That's fantastic. Right. Uh, Beyond what was approved. I don't know why that was. I didn't, I didn't know you could bonus yourself anything, to be honest with you. $45,000 to her personal retirement account. Whoa. I'm, I'm sorry. Right. But why would you take the higher lump? In the, I mean, obviously, other than you're just an idiot. Mm-hmm. Why would you take the $169,000 as a salary bonus mm-hmm. and then only put uh, another forty-five or 54000 into personal retirement? Wouldn't you? Personally, this is me. Wouldn't you yeah. switch those? Well, maybe. I would. You would? I would. You would? Just because. Mm-hmm. I, I, It's more money. Well, that is true. It's it is more, more money. money. Mm-hmm. Um, Interpersonal retirement account. Home improvements, including $5,500. Really? Wrought iron door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. nothing says welcome to my home like, like a, a wrought, wrought iron, iron door. door. Uh, and expenses related to Robinson's wedding and honeymoon and later... Legal fees for her divorce. <laughs> so basically anything and everything that she could spend money on, she decided to spend money on. Pretty. And as a Democrat, that makes perfect sense. Uh, she was also accused of using the money for her state Senate campaign to pay off personal debts. Pause right there for a moment. Uh, wouldn't, um, wouldn't everything you just said, uh, personal debt? Legal fees. Yeah. It's uh, all personal. Maybe the salary bonus. Okay, that's not, not really a debt. debt. The retirement, not, not a, a debt, debt. Uh, but the uh, the wrought iron door that could that's be a debt. debt. Uh, expenses related to her wedding, honeymoon, and then All legal fee, legal fees for divorce. That's mm-hmm. a debt. Wait, wait. She had marriage. Honeymoon and divorce all rolled into the first, uh, in that four years. Uh-huh. Wow. Isn't she a delight? She's amazing. That's yeah, a peach right there. Dang. Uh, she used to pay off personal debts to buy her daughter a car mm. and to make several thousand dollars of purchases to support her children's snow cone business. Snow cone business, you say? I did. Well, I didn't, but the article did. Article snow, did. Snow cone business. Because snow we all business. know... That in this day and age, with the COVIDs and the Wu Tang clap and six feet distancing, all and the rest all of, it. of this junk, snow cones are what we need. That's I'm talking. That's but the first the thing you think of. Needs now is are snow, cones, snow, snow cones. cones. That's 
It's the only thing. <laughs> Snow. Oh. oh, wrong song. I know. So, <laughs> New York Times reported that in addition to serving as a state senator, Mrs. Mm-hmm. Robinson is a director of healthcare uh, of the Healthcare Institute. Yes. A for-profit college uh-huh. that provides training programs for certified nursing assistants, phlebotomists, and <laughs> licensed practical nursing. Now, I understand phlebotomy is, you know, blood. Blood. But... It just—it's a funny word. Well, it is. It's a fun word to say. And the best part about it is, is I find it a tad ironic. There is that she uh, is the director mm-hmm. of this place, right. That teaches phlebotomy, uh, blood sucking. Yeah, and she's a politician. And she's a politician. Yeah, and is in trouble for embezzlement. Remember, Titian is uh, is Greek for blood sucking insect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Grant money was intended to be used for training programs at the Healthcare Institute, which Robinson, a registered nurse by trade, founded mm. in 2015, the same year her business was awarded the federal funds. <gasps> no way! Mm-hmm. Uh, the feds were tipped off months ago by an anonymous claim. An anonymous claim, you say? Uh-huh, Maybe that, it was the ex-husband. Very possible. Uh-huh. That Robinson had used the grant money to buy a luxury handbag valued at more than 5 Hundred dollars, leading to an uh, FBI raid on her home mm-hmm. and the institute in February. Witnesses told the, witnesses told the local TV over there at the time that they saw agents rolling file cabinets out of the vocational school. <laughs> so, she is the director. She starts, yep, this business, mm-hmm. grows it, yep. Uh, becomes a director and all that jazz. Right, sure. I'm assuming is fairly profitable. Maybe. I would guess. Well, I mean, at least it's, those government grants are very it, nice. Oh, of course. Uh, and then turn around and now she's a senator. And also still... Bless her heart. Greed is a sad thing. Yeah, greed is what kills a lot of people. Senator Robinson has held a press conference Thursday insisting that she would be vindicated. I don't know how you could be vindicated. I don't know. Uh, and she's claimed she's being uh, targeted by the authorities. I don't know how. You're being targeted, and you will be vindicated. No, that's, you won't. That's the one that's apples and oranges. They're pumpkin. You're, those, no, you, you're, you you're, are being targeted, but that's because you did something wrong. Yeah, there is no vindication out of this. No, Not no, for you. Not for you. For the state. For the state, yeah. For the, for government. the federal government, yes. yes. Quote, it is believed... That if I were not in the position that I'm in, mm-hmm. if I did not champion the voices, oh, the views, and the faces that I represent, that I would not be in this moment I'm in today. Well, yes, you would, because instead of championing those voices and faces and the views and all the rest of it, you decided to champion uh, embezzlement yeah. of $600,000 She had a minimum. quote. She had a quote. I'm committed to continuing to serve with the same integrity. <coughs> I'm, I'm sorry. You sorry? You okay? I'm good. Yeah. All right. Let me. Fine. Let me. I'll start okay. again. Hold on. Yeah. She quotes. She's added. Uh-huh. Quote. Uh-huh. I'm committed to continuing to serve with the same integrity. <coughs> Do you need more coffee? Uh, yeah. Hold on. I Take just, a sip of that coffee. Let me. Let me get the. I'm committed to continue to serve with the same integrity. <coughs> the same passion. Uh huh. That I have demonstrated since you elected me to this office. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, 
See that there. Mm-hmm. Well, uh... <laughs> I'll be damned. <laughs> In that, uh... So you're, so you're just going to steal a bunch of people's money again? She keeps saying that word. I don't think it, it means what, what she thinks think it, it means. <laughs> <laughs> you got some integrity. Yeah, that... Yeah, that's that's. The, uh, and again, I'm not surprised by this. There's nothing about this that is shocking to no, me. No, 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 no. There's nothing. Uh, it w- what would be shocking is if she actually had integrity and it was wrong. No, 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 no. I'm not even that. That's no? that's no? too far gone. Oh, okay, fine. No, what would be shocking to me is if she actually gets in real trouble for this, and she won't. Oh, you're thinking like beyond a smack on the wrist? Yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at this point, she's yeah. a senator. They're not going to touch her. She, she, she will get yelled at. She, there will be certain things. She'll obviously have to pay back, little things like that. But it'll be handled and settled and, and all done under the table. Won't be nothing known about it, at least not too much moving forward. So, Golly, going back to the coffee conversation, and I'm going to put this out there because it's really funny. Jackal Farmer Vetter Farms on the MeWees. That was yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No. Yes, yeah, it was. was. Yes, it was. Wow. Nobody's talking on MeWe tonight. Nobody's talking on the MeWe tonight. They don't love us. No. That's you cool. guys don't like us. That's fine. Maybe the MeWe's are dead. All right. Well, we're not. I still want to say that, but we'll keep it for later. Yeah, we'll hold it. Guys, don't go anywhere. There's more on the other side. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Here's important new information from the Diabetes Solution Center for you, a family member, or a loved one suffering with diabetes. If you have lost your provider or if you need a provider for diabetic supplies, you may qualify to receive your diabetic testing supplies now with little or no out-of-pocket cost, regardless of your age. All you need is Medicare or private insurance to be potentially eligible. Call the Diabetes Solution Center right now for details. Just takes a couple of minutes. Our friendly, knowledgeable agents will give you free, no-obligation information, handle all the insurance paperwork, and make sure your supplies are delivered directly to your door for free. Call U.S. Medical Supply 24 hours a day. 800-597-9323. 800-597-9323. 800-597-9323. Call right now. 800-597-9323. Live free, Mojo Five O. I'm Mike Opelka from PureOpelka.com. I'm a big free speech fan. I'm someone who wants everybody to say whatever they want, but I also think it's fair game for us to point out when people say dumb things. The most powerful gathering of freedom fundamentalists since Philadelphia in 1776. Mojo Five O. Fast Track student loans can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop collection calls, and stop seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and get your student loan payments down to as little as $25 a month based on what you can afford to pay. 800-709-4395.
make a comment about this but I, I feel like I should just be quiet yeah no no we're gonna do, we're gonna stay away from that one. that just sounds like a very private yep thing yep really you should uh, you, you should prune your trees in your own time I'm just and saying. if you do it too many times you need they're not gonna have trees left yeah it's not good then it becomes more like a shrubbery a shrubbery shrubbery <laughs> welcome back to the show Defenders Live Mojo 5 go to mojo50.com mm-hmm that's it. Just go. You go there. You need to go. Yes. You need to check it out. There are amazing other hosts. Why haven't you gone there yet? They've got three new shows starting on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Three. Three. Three new shows That's starting on the weekend. fantastic. Amazing stuff. I'm telling you, things are coming down the line that are you guys need to be a part of. You need to be privy to it. And the only way you're going to do that is by checking out the website. Right. D-O-A-E show dot com. Mm-hmm. When you're That's done right. with that, go over to our website. D-O-A-E-Show.com, which I think I just said twice. Yep. Son of a bitch. That's um, Mojo50.com. Yeah, Mojo50. For the other There stuff. you go. I See, that just shows how long of a day I've had It's been today. a really long day for you. It has been, and I... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Our website, D-O-A-E-Show.com. That's where you can get things like shirts and cups and... Shirts. All the rest of it. cups. And mugs. Cups and, and shirts. And, 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 and hats. And, tumblers. And, and, and stickies. And, and all kinds of fun jazz. <laughs> I mean, pretty much... Actually, ironically enough, you... Well, this well, I, my shirt's not officially on the website. You'll be getting that soon. I will. It will. It'll be there soon. We promise. Tumblers, all kinds of stuff is getting ready to come out there. Oh, oh, Ooh. wait. Oh, how many more days do we have? No, on? no, no, no. I'm gonna send oh. out a thing first. No, I know that. How many more days do we have in the month? Uh, is it t- tomorrow like, and tomorrow then, and then okay, tomorrow. Okay, like <laughs> tomorrow. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. so it'll be tomorrow. Okay, yeah. gotcha. It'll be tomorrow. Sorry, told you. Long day. Yep. Jumbles. Mm-hmm. You want to be a part of the show, follow us on Twitter uh, at DOAE Show. Use the hashtag arm yourselves. Um, we're also on all the social medias everywhere. Mm-hmm. We're, uh, you can watch us on the Facebooks and the YouTubes, YouTubes and the D Lives, Periscope, and, and all the rest. Everywhere and anywhere. Check us out. Be part of the show. You know, it'll be good, good, good. It'll be good, fun time. And the best time is tomorrow when we do uh, Free Speech Friday, which would be amazing. You can call in. And actually talk to us. And actually talk to us if you would like. Yeah. But that's tomorrow. Well, yeah, that, that's tomorrow. That's so, not today. Yeah, right. That's tomorrow. Just like the box. <laughs> <laughs> What's in the box? Not going to go. Anyway, <laughs> getting through uh, Shy Boy and I. Look. Look. You are not saying that our, polit- our politicians that are in office are not obligated to, uh, to any ethical rules no no I, would, I wouldn't say that no Mm-mm-mm. it's that now you're now you're just you're, you're you're just being silly now stop doing those things. good heavens what's wrong with you <laughs> uh, what i will say though uh twitter is now defending uh it's still defending censoring trump and by the way once again if you're on a social media site understand that the social media site can control what they do yep we're just going to point out the hypocrisy yeah, because they, why not? They're a they're a private company, right? They can do what they want with it, right? But once again, hypocrisy. Twitter's defending the so- <laughs> what 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 what? No, no, I don't mean it. No. Oh, the shrubberies. No, oh, be from one. the SAV. Per oh. Ad Dylan Miles instruction, I go to do at doaeshow dot com, and just keep hitting refresh, and it's a 
Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> pretty much. Big it. Bang Theory, and they're all yep. Just keep going there, hitting refresh. Keep going there the entire time. So, Twitter defense and uh, censorship of uh, Trump, while not blocking uh, Ayatollah Khomeini's posts that call that are calling for full genocide of people and it's, it's, countries. It, and again, it's communities. And, it is a private company. Yep, they can do whatever they want. They could do whatever they want. Right. And here's the kicker about this. This is not the first time. No, it won't be the last. Twi- uh, definitely not the last. Mm-mm. That Twitter or Facebook or any other mainstream social media platform mm-hmm. has demonstrated a double standard. Okay, or, or any standard. That's well. No, they do have a standard. It's just right. They just change it all the time. What normal people's is. Yeah. Right. But um. But no. Mm-hmm. I, you kind of know this going in, so you can't be upset when it happens. If you don't like it, if you're if you're upset about it, how oh, they're they're censoring Trump's tweets, mm-hmm, they're doing mm-hmm. this. It's not right. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I know I know it sounds you know everybody's like, well, what else are we gonna use to to blast and troll people on? What other platform will we stop there? trolling? Well, there are plenty of other ones out there. Yes, and there are upon, plenty what, of them. Fifteen thousand different to, platforms where you don't have to troll. What was that new one out that's out there? Parlor or whatever that is. Parlay or... Parlay, yeah. Whatever. Parlay News. That's another one. That's one of them. That's one you can mm-hmm. go to. There's mm-hmm. all kinds... Of, what was the... There was, there's been several. There's been There's been too that, many of them. I can't keep up. No, I can't either. If you need it that badly, then you go to it. Now, well, they're not as popular and there's more people and I can... Well, then... Too bad. It's... You either accept it... And live with it. Yeah. Move on... That's it. Those are your two. You mm-hmm. can accept it, or you can go find something else. Right. There's no middle ground. You whining and bitching and complaining about it doesn't change the fact that a private company has the right to do as it will. Yes. And we talked about having middle ground yesterday on the conversations. That's that's conversations between t- individual people. That's mm-hmm. not conversations between you and a major company that decides that they're going to be a social media organization. Yes. You can do with what your business as you want to do with your business. Mm-hmm. You know, if if I was going to say, if you want to be a cake bakery place. Sure. And you insist on never making a gluten-free product. That's fine. Then, that's, I don't know, it's very... It's very niche, but okay. It is, and I, I got that. And I know that most people are like, well, it's not the same. Well, no, but it's true. If you want to have, if a business, honestly, requires you to wear, I don't know, dress attire to go into it. Then wear it. Well, but I'm saying, then that's their requirement. And if you want to be there, then you have to know and be able to play by the rules. Right. And I, and I didn't feel like, well, it's not the same. We go to a different restaurant or whatever. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can go to a different you're not social media same, platform. You're not going to get the same sort of service. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit different. You're going to have to get used to a certain dif- uh, different things. All of those are true. Yes, we understand that. But what we're trying to say is that you have a choice. You always have a choice, no matter what. You can go and keep on Twitter and just play by their rules. You can go to a different service. You can do the rest of it. Yeah. You're not going to. Ch- it doesn't matter what we do. Yeah. We are not going to change these companies. No. We're not going to change Facebook. We're not going to change Twitter. We're not going to force uh, we're not going to be able to. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. They have enough lawyer uh, law power behind them and money because of all the stupid things we did on those sites. 
prior to us being upset about it. Yeah. Well, and, and you take it from another angle too. Like this is this is again their business. They can do with it as they will. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They can come up with whatever rules or whatever anything that they want to do. If they want right. to turn around and and block certain people's stuff from being seen, that that is their prerogative and their choice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And if you want don't like it, then go <clears throat> to somewhere else. Right. And while I do get the point, um yeah, like Kevin Hutchinson, he says he's tired of private companies, uh, private company defense on Twitter, etc. Um, they control social media and are using that to control and fix elections by distorting and censoring information. I completely agree with you. Yes. But that's not the argument we're having right now. No, what no. I'm just merely trying to say is that... They have the right to do that. It's it's their, it's their company. company. The reason why Twitter got to be what it was, which granted it was kind of by itself at the time mm-hmm. um, but it was because of popularity well you know how you change that is you find another one that is amazingly awesome or you start one that's amazingly awesome or whatever it's not and it doesn't it, even have to be that awesome twitter actually isn't that great it's not they they allow an x amount of characters which means you have to be concise and you have to misspell words yeah just to get things in Here, here's the reason why people like to be on twitter i think and i could be wrong it's quick because i like to well it is quick but it's also the fact that that Everybody that includes celebrities, that includes people and politicians that you agree with and don't agree with, mm-hmm. they're all going to be there. Everyone is. My per- you people- have you have as much reach and contact there as you will have anywhere else in the world. I was going to say people like uh, Alyssa Milano. Mm-hmm. I, I cookies. Yes, I you know may or may not throw some bombs in there every now and again on her stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's because that it's, you know, this that individual is actually doing it. And that's why people like the Twitter. That's why that they don't want to actually move on to something else. Because, because those people aren't there. Yeah, they don't have, they want to be able to talk junk to them or they want to be able to have it. Because Alyssa Milano is not going to go to Parlay or Parlor or whatever that was. Right. She's not going to go because to any she of these knows other places. Because she knows it as what it is. Exactly. She's not going to go to. She's not going to be on MeWe. She's not going to do on anything like that because it's not. It's not doesn't fit her deal. If you're going to these places, by the way, if you're going to Twitter for political commentary, mm-hmm. you are doing it wrong. Yeah, if you're going to Facebook for anything other than keeping up with your friends, you're doing it wrong. Well, I mean, if you're a social media company and you're using it to, to push your own products, then I guess that's fine. But the entire the entire point of Facebook was to share photos, pictures, and have conversations with people that you know. The entire point of Twitter is to have short, concise conversations back and forth with quips with anybody and everybody. Yeah. None of those have anything to do with politics, really. And if you're getting your information from those places because it's easier for you to use those instead of going to, I don't know, say, find actual news, then it's your fault, not the companies. It is your fault, not the companies, that you're only getting so-and-such news. Yeah. No, and I I get it. I I get people who's like, well, again, it's – they're huge. You know, Twitter is is – it's a, a big place. It's got a massive footprint, and a mm-hmm. lot of people use it. Sure, you know, I, it's, it's it's also a a, a, a den of evil. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's where everybody goes to complain about everybody else. Yeah, and I, I just 
it's I, I I've just always been the type of you know I you just kind of doesn't make it right. We're not saying that what they're doing is right. We don't agree with it. No, no, no. We don't agree with but, it. It's just it is it, it is not going to change. Yeah, it, sadly, it's not. There isn't anything that's going to because you can't force them to change. No, the only. The only way, theoretically, that they would be forced into a change is if the market changed. Right. You change the marketplace, then they have to change how they do their but business. Then, well, but I was going to say, but then that goes back, that you know becomes a heart thing. Then it becomes mm-hmm. the individual mm-hmm. changing and causing that to happen, and that's right. not, not going to no. happen. Mm-mm. So... Uh, yeah, that's... It, <laughs> That's just how it's going to be, bud. No, and I and I, but it's like I said, I you just kind of go in and you expect it. I mean, I know nobody likes it. It's not fun, but if you're going to go in there, then you kind of have to know that you know what you're going to say or what you're going to do is to be is going to be uh censored or filtered. Filtered and ran through different uh, different things. But see, and but that's what makes those on the right and, and people like us a little bit different because, you know, we're still willing to go and do our own homework anyway. Yes, you know exactly. I mean? We're not there. I'm not on Twitter because I want the, I, I want the political commentary. I'm I, on Twitter because I think it's entertaining. Oh, it is very entertaining. I've been in so many. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. So no, many like, arguments with stuff with people. I have yet uh-huh. to get Alyssa Milano to respond to me, but so many of her people have. And that's all you need. So much fun. It's all you ever need. Oh, so. It is gratifying. Mm-hmm. Seattle police found a van full of improvised explosives, spike strips, and stun guns at a riot. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Seattle police said they impounded a van full of explosives, stun guns, and improvised spike strips. After witnessing protesters passing off, passing out items during the violent protest on Saturday, <laughs> I'm sorry, but <laughs> passing them out of the van, mm-hmm. all I can think about is this, like Oprah Winfrey standing here going, "And you, you get, get a spike strip, strip. <laughs> you get a spike strip, you get a spike strip, everybody gets a spike strip, and a stun gun for you, and a stun gun for you." And a stun gun for you. That's all I'm seeing, and I know it's not how it went, but it still makes me giggle. It's so good, right? Oh, that's fantastic. Quote, over the past several weeks, we have seen many demonstrations throughout the city. Many demonstrators have been peaceful. However, many have not. (laughs) That was from uh, Police Chief Carmen Best. Why would you need spike strips Mm, at a a protest? Now, and again... Wrap them uh, around a bat. Not a spike strip. Why not? Have you seen an actual spike strip? Yes, I know what you're talking about. Those it's things the, are. It's the yeah. yeah I, they're I get very it. heavy. They're very and I get it's improvised. Right. It's but an still, improvised spike strip. But if you're going to wrap it around a bat, then why wouldn't you have wrapped it around a bat before you brought it? Because you were bringing. Then it, it's not a spike strip. You were bringing it for other people. You didn't know what they were going to use it for. Nah. You're it, like, hey, I, I going by the list. Out something. <laughs> it's a it's a whip. Let's see your creativeness, fellas. No. Um. <laughs> I, I, it is a bunch of liberals. I was gonna say, with all the stuff that they, you know, named off, I don't think it would be for for that. No, but no, that's no. what confuses me is is you know, it's to stop police cars. I guess, and that makes sense. I I just I don't know why you would need to bring them. <clears throat> They're not stopping the police car if it's not you know if it's in the back of the van. Ah, yeah. Uh, two handed, uh, two handed, le- legendary slug. Two handed, legendary handle slug. There we go. Sorry. Wow. Took me a second. Are we allowed to call those riots yet? No. No. 
Yeah, I mean, we can. No, no, no. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you, you can, can call them riots. You can call them whatever you want. They're yeah, just right. you're just going to get made fun of and everything else. Right. It's not a riot until it is all white people mm-hmm. uh, or all. Uh, which, Trump by the way, it's pretty much all white people now. Or all, well, I know it is. Uh, <laughs> the greatest meme I've seen today was the the one that shows, what was it, uh, angry, dis, uh, angry uh, disillusioned, misinformed white women are the core of Black Lives Matter. It's probably true. That's very true. It's probably um, true. But no, unless it's unless they're Trump supporters or, or regular people. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the only time you have riots. Yeah, and I quote: "Uh oh." Since July nineteenth, we have seen three protests where individuals have embedded themselves, and they were particularly destructive and violent inside the peaceful group. Mm-hmm. I've never understood a protest. I don't know. No, and I mean this is like legitimately. I I, I get. I, I understand what the purpose of it is supposed to be sure. for. Right, but it never actually ends up that way. But it, yeah, it never does. It never really ends up the way you want it to. It never has, even peaceful or no. Right. I've, I've never, I've, I, there's, there's so many other things that you could do mm-hmm. that I've, I personally, and maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I've seen it. Okay. But uh, has it worked in the past? Eh, yes. Yeah. Yes, to an extent, it has worked in the past. It caused enough of a disruption, but they were actual peaceful protests at that point. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones, the true peaceful. And they peaceful. stuck to message and right. They yeah. stuck to message. They were truly peaceful. They yeah. had actual sit-ins. Yeah, actual sit-ins. Yeah, where all they did was sit there and do nothing else. Yeah, no. I mean, like that's kind of okay. I just I've never understood it. I've never understood because there's so many things personally. I think that are much more effective than than marching. Or standing around with a bunch of people holding signs or anything like that. I, mm. I not to say it doesn't work, right, right. But I just I personally think there's much better things to do. Because mm-hmm. anytime I even hear, it doesn't matter what side it is, doesn't matter what the point of it is. Every time I hear of of uh, well, not a riot, but mm-hmm. protest, protest, a protest of any sure. kind, regardless of how much I may or may not agree with it. All I ever think it of makes, is riding. It anyway. makes my tumor ache. All because it drives me riding. nuts. It's, it's like, why? It's, I, I automa- When I hear protest, the word protest, I automatically imagine a bunch of adults acting like little children throwing a tantrum. And again, mm-hmm. that, that, mm-hmm. that that's, doesn't matter whether I would actually agree or believe with their cause or not. Right. I, I, I... What was that one back in, back in the olden days where they were standing outside of Wall Street... The uh, Occupy Wall Street. Occupy. Yeah. yeah. Same deal. Yeah. A bunch of young adults acting like t- uh, acting like two year olds, literally crapping and peeing in the streets, um, but also rampaging and yep. uh, raping women that are there, which was never good. And dogs. And dogs, which was gross. Also not good. No. Um, I did, and again, I know that's not a lot. Of, you know, they're probably been very successful protests, and a lot of people are good about it, and mm-hmm. they think it's work. That's just me. Uh, there are other things that you could do. You know, you can, you know, get a new representative. You can do yep. stuff locally. You right. can actually do something instead now, now, of just as far as it goes. But again, okay. that's you, my opinion. If you're in a country, not America. Okay. If you're in a country, not America. Like what? Like China. Where in China? Obviously not Hong Kong. Well, that arguably that's not China, but yeah. 
<laughs> but it is. No. <laughs> I know. I was there after it. Yeah, I know. So uh, a protest may prove a point. Yeah. Tiananmen no. Square. Let's Tiananmen Square. Mm-hmm. It's still pertinent today. It still has an effect on the government in China today. So, yeah, if it's not America, I could see it being effective. But you have to understand as well, because it's not in America, you have the chance of actually dying because you're doing it. Well, but that's... See, but that, that's, that's why I go back to when I hear here, I see and imagine just a bunch of people whining because over there, people are willing to actually die for it. Why? Because they have taken the time to understand. Really, they know who they are. Mm-hmm. They know what's you know going on. They have, you know, maybe not all of the facts, mm-hmm. but a good portion of them. A very You know, they, they're, they're educated, they're informed, and they're making a decision based off of their actual belief. Mm-hmm. Not, well, CNN, NBC, MSNBC. Right. All these people are telling me okay. that this is what's going on and I have to respond that way. Mm-hmm. Right, right, you right, know, right, right. You're going to take TikTok from me? What? How dare you? I'm going to start a riot. The, uh, you know what I mean? It, that's... You haven't thought We're about... We're going to protest. Yeah, you haven't thought about the longevity of it. You haven't taken everything into consideration. You just are a whiny, petulant little child who... Doesn't like the toy taken away from you. Exactly. What I was going to say. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Whereas somebody in China, when you're the... Um, oh, and I keep messing their name up. The the begins with a U in China. The Uyghurs. Is it? We were, we were, uh, we, we were corrected. It's, it's pronounced... Uyghur. Oh, I apologize. It's spelled Uyghur. That's it. Pronounced Uyghur. Okay, fine. Uyghur. Which like, I, I feel really uncomfortable saying that. Uyghur? Yeah, because it is really close to something else we're not allowed to say. Uh-huh. But anyway, that, you know, for the Uyghurs, that's a legitimate situation. <laughs> Stop laughing. Damn it. That's a legitimate thing. They're they're being hunted. They're being persecuted. They're being you know their organs are being harvested and uh-huh. sold on the black market by yes. the state. Uh huh. That is legitimate. That's something you protest. That is something you strive to make change for. Mm-hmm. Not because you know your app is getting ready to close, possibly <laughs> close. No. Not because you know. Well, they've drawn the line, and you're not going to get unemployment benefits anymore after this because they can't afford. It. No, That's no, no. True. You, you, very different day and night. Mm-hmm. And I just so I'm sorry. There's there's much better things that you could be doing. There are so many 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 things. Like uh, I don't know. We could be talking about this lady here, Maryland woman sentenced after police found 27 dead dogs in her sewage. What? Hold on. 27 dogs in her sewer line in her sewer line. does she know that you don't you don't, you don't flush, flush those, dogs you, you flush, flush goldfish dog, yeah goldfish when not, the goldfish dies you you you, you put that, that in the toilet, toilet and you let and it you go you replace it because yeah. goldfish you know they don't know that they've been replaced <laughs> and what's bad is you don't realize <laughs> after a while that you've been they've replaced it your kid will never know. No, and not only that, but like, <laughs> hell, half the time if you replace, other than you physically going to replace them, you there forget. will be times you'll walk by and go, oh, how you doing, Sparky? Sparky's been dead for two years. You just keep replacing <laughs> this damn fish with a different goldfish. You keep on replacing it every couple months, and that's what happens. 
It's still Sparky. Now, Sparky number 14, you just have forgotten that. 25. Sparky 25. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a terrible anime. Sparky 25. That should be fantastic, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Life of a Goldfish. He actually goes into like some kind of a coma or something and gets flushed, mistakenly thought he was dead, Mm -hmm. and he fights his way back to his bowl. (laughs) And like the very ending thing, you come to find out that the goldfish that replaced him, it was all staged and planned from the beginning. It was... Like he had some underhand evil laughter. The he whole does. Deal. Like <laughs> it's a two part. It's a two episode part. You know yeah, the yeah. thing two season finale, episode, yeah. and and at the very end, they actually have this long, like twenty minute battle. So I see that you're back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have discovered my plan. <laughs> you are very perceptive fish. I just really wanted to get back into the ball. <laughs> That would be good. But yeah, so a Maryland woman was sentenced uh, to seven years in prison for animal cruelty after the police found 27 dead dogs inside her rental apartment or her rental property last year. The judge this week referred to the residence, which was covered in layers of sewage, sludge, and filled with decaying dog remains as a chamber of horrors. Uh, So... Mm. How the hell mm-hmm. did she get the dogs down the toilet? I think it was a mispronunciation, misunderstanding here. Um, they were in sewage in the house. That was my fault. That was my misunderstanding. Oh no, no, because no, that's how I read it too. Yeah, I read it that way first. Now I get it. Um, they were lying in their own nasty. Oh. Oh. oh, now you got it. Oh, yeah, no, no. Oh, absolutely. Nail yeah. that lady to the wall because that's right. That's just, that's terrible. Yeah, that's bad. Like uh-huh. it's bad enough that you got you know their own mm-hmm. sludge laying around. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is that they pass away and you just still leave them there, or you throw them there. Like you, you, instead of burying them, that's where you put them. Like does your nose not work? Uh, how does how does that nose work? Knows. The nose knows. How do you do that? How do you get around that? I don't know. Twenty-seven, and, I, and it's, that's not that's not a yeah. small number. And she wasn't. Uh, she 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 didn't have like a, a thing for certain dogs. Says twenty-seven dogs. Well, actually, she did have a thing for Dalmatians. She had twenty Dalmatians. Oh wow! Uh, five golden retrievers and two English set, uh, setters. <laughs> sounds like a Christmas song. Not going there. Not, no. No. I could, but no. No. Not there. Not today. Oh, yeah, it's really not good. Yeah, she was uh, pled guilty to 11 charges last, <laughs> last October. Originally charged with 109 counts. Good Lord. Her husband, who's 50 years old, also pled guilty to the cases. Also, there's two of them in the house. So there's two lazy people who couldn't think for a second to go, you know what, the dog is dead. Maybe we should carry it outside. Maybe it needs to be buried. That takes hoarding to a whole new level. Yeah. Like, that's like you know, most people are, like, saving wrappers and junk. This lady's like... I lost the dog in the trash, and I just haven't looked to go find it. I can't afford to go have him that's, stuffed. Oh, God. No. With that, we're going to the bells. Good evening, Mojo Favo. I'm Leprechaun, and here with the bell count grade for the day, Thursday, July 30th, 2020. Today we had one missed innuendo bell, 22 actual bells, six to dolls, 
and two. Oh my gosh. Giving us a C minus for the day. Peace out, boys. Stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow. All I can say is no, no, God, no, no. <laughs> this has been Fitters Live, doaeshow.com, doaeshow.com. We'll see you tomorrow night for Free Speech Friday. Bye, y'all. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five-O. Breaking news this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters. President Trump is mourning the death of one-time presidential candidate Herman Cain. White House correspondent Greg Clugston reports. The president says Cain was a great friend, an American patriot, and a powerful voice of freedom. He writes on Twitter that he spoke on the phone with Cain's family to express his deepest condolences. White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany tweeted that Herman Cain embodied the American dream and represented the very best of the American spirit. The 74-year-old Cain died several weeks after being diagnosed with COVID-19. Greg Clugston, Washington. Senate Republicans have been quick to dismiss the president's suggestion the election may need to be delayed unless voters can safely cast their ballots at polling places. Those speaking out include strong White House supporter Senator Lindsey Graham. He shares the president's concerns about mail-in ballots being used exclusively, but he's more optimistic about polling places, noting South Carolina was able to hold a large primary in June, saying it was carried out safely and in person. Senate Republican Conference Chairman John Barrasso of Wyoming also shot down the idea of a delay. Florida's Marco Rubio says since 1845, we've had an election on the first Tuesday after November 1st, and we're going to have one again. Bob Hagner reporting. Meanwhile, the president is against another blanket shutdown of the U.S. economy. A permanent shutdown would no longer be the answer at all. A small shutdown of certain areas, but we don't want to do that. Small shutdowns can be very helpful, but not for long periods of time. We understand what we're dealing with now, but it's a very complex situation. On Wall Street, a mixed day as the Dow is down by 225 points to 26,313. The Nasdaq, however, rose 44. The S&P declined 12 and oil down to 40.42 a barrel. More on these stories at townhall.com. If you said the world has gone crazy, I think 99.9% of the Earth's population would, in fact, agree with you. Here's the thing. You can never be too prepared for the craziness that's happening all around you. Keep your head while others are losing theirs. Go to preparewithmojo50.com. You will find an emergency food supply with a big discount because you are a Mojo 50 listener. It's not about uh, panic. It's about being ready for anything. Preparewithmojo50.com. Do you use the expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life? Are you thinking about it? Mm. What if we can promise you the same results for less than $3 a pill? If you're paying $20 a pill for the other pills, you're getting taken to the cleaners. Our pills deliver the exact same results for less than $3. You'll save more than $16 a pill for the same results. And right now, radio callers will get 44 blue or yellow pills for $120 with free discreet shipping. You can save 
save more than $700 off pharmacy prices. Charge your sex life now and save a ton of money. Call now and get your 44 pills and save over $700 and qualify for free shipping. Stop overpaying and call right now. 800-218-6473-800-218-6473-800-218-6473. That's 800-218-6473. Hey, this is Steven with Defenders Live, and I'm here with my digital cohort, my AI, Dylan Lyles. Hey, man, say hi. I, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Just just say hi to the people. No, I can't do that. But what I can do is tell everyone to make sure they tune in to Defenders Live Monday through Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern, only at Mojo.com. Mojo50.com. Obviously, a few more bugs to fix, but we'll get them fixed up, and it'll be raring to go Monday through Friday. The truth. The Denise Simon Experience. The Truth Matrix. Vetting, exposing, drilling down to the truth. Rolling Thunder, this is Hitman, Seattle. Hitman, this is Rolling Thunder, Seattle. The Denise Simon Experience. Exposing politics, lies, demagoguery, spin, fraud. Mike Charlie, 435-921. Great to Mark. Mike Charlie, 473-9er, 89er, out. Promoting individual situational awareness. Question, probe, notice, ask why. Mark Smoke on the deck, two rounds, AGBT, cast TOT, five for you. Simon Experience. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Denise Simon Experience, where we are heard worldwide on Mojo 50. You know, there uh, I think we're at the end here. We're finished with Supreme Court decisions, although um, uh, we've got some real questions about some of these uh, opinions that came out. So I tapped um, Zach Smith on the shoulder, and he was kind enough to uh, join us today. Um, he is a legal fellow in the Mesa Legal and Judicial Studies at the uh, Heritage Foundation. And there's there's one decision here that got zero press, and I think there's some wide implications for this one. So Zach's going to help us out. Um, Zach Smith, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me on, Denise. I really appreciate the opportunity. This was an interesting decision um, because it 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 it's hard to explain. It's got a couple of moving parts to it. Um, but there was apparently a tribal rape case, and the lawyer um, in this case argued that um, this rape case ought to necessarily. You're going to have to help me with this. Be thrown out because. Um, there was no jurisdiction because it happened on tribal land. Did I get that part right? Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) So so if it's okay, let's take, let's take a quick step back. And so essentially what happened is, you know, 23 years ago in 1997, uh, a guy named Jim C. McGirt uh, was convicted of 
essentially raping his wife's four-year-old granddaughter, just a horrible, mm. atrocious crime. And the state of Oklahoma rightfully prosecuted him for it. And so he went through the criminal process in Oklahoma state court and was ultimately sentenced to a thousand years plus life in prison. Uh, you know, clearly Oklahoma, they recognized the seriousness, kind of the depravity of his crime and gave him a very harsh sentence. And so since the sentence was imposed in 1997, Mr. McGirt has been filing appeals. He's been filing uh, habeas petitions, essentially alleging defects in the procedure that was used to convict him. And in the latest round, he basically said the state of Oklahoma didn't have jurisdiction to prosecute him because he was a member of uh, an Indian tribe located in Oklahoma. And that, in fact, uh, because he was a member of a tribe and his crime took place on what he alleged to be tribal land, the state of Oklahoma lacked jurisdiction to prosecute him. And so that's kind of how the case was teed up and ended up at the Supreme Court. Um, who represented him, just for uh, giggles? Well, typically, uh, I'd have to go back <laughs> and look uh, in this case, but typically what happens in a lot of cases like this uh you know, jailhouse lawyers will be involved, uh, either or somebody at the public defender's office. But then when it gets to the Supreme Court level, typically a pretty well-respected, reputable counsel steps in, uh, you know, because they want to have the opportunity to argue in front of the Supreme Court. And they step in and kind of take over the, the appeal at that point. So I'd have to go back and look for this case. But I, I would imagine that something like that happened here. Something tells me it was the Center for Constitutional Rights, but uh, I don't know that for sure. That's just a sidebar. Okay, so we have this um, uh, case, and now it's, uh, what happened? Did did it get thrown out and he's released? I mean, what happened with the end result? Yeah, so I think when you were kind of teeing up our conversation, you hit the nail on the head. You know, this was kind of a case that flew under the radar for most people this term. You know, it got lost in the the mix of cases dealing with President Trump's tax returns, mm. uh, the cases dealing with the structure of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the abortion cases. You know, there were a lot of blockbuster cases coming down at the end of the Supreme Court's term this month. And and this one got lost in the shuffle. But frankly, it may have some of the the most far reaching implications of any case. And so what happened, the Supreme Court agreed with Mr. McGirt and said that, in fact, uh, essentially the entire eastern half of Oklahoma is, in fact, tribal land and has been pretty much unbeknownst to anyone for the past 113 years. And they did throw out his conviction. Uh, which on itself, on its face, you know, by itself is is terrible. But, but, you know, don't forget, by invalidate, by reaching this conclusion, by invalidating Mr. McGirt's conviction, uh, there are somewhere close to 2,000 other potential convictions that are at risk. And more importantly, the entire structure of government in eastern Oklahoma is, has kind of been thrown into chaos. You know, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma's yeah. second largest city, uh, is now uh, on an Indian <laughs> tribal land. I used to yeah, live there, which is why this case this case is a little bit of an interest to me because I lived in Oklahoma twice. So it sure. is, <laughs> and my father, you know, years ago was in the oil business. So 
<laughs> sure. Well, and I think the dissenting justices, you know, the, the lineup on this case was was unusual as well. You had Justice Neil Gorsuch, who wrote the majority opinion, and he was joined by the four liberal members of the court, uh, Justice Ginsburg, Breyer, Kagan, and Sotomayor. And so you basically had the four conservative members, Roberts, Thomas, uh, Alito, and Kavanaugh, mm-hmm. uh, they filed a dissenting opinion. And they basically said, look, the, the implications of this decision are staggering. Uh, everything from tax revenue to family law matters to title to land, all of that, you know, has potentially been thrown into doubt now with this decision. And so I think the state of Oklahoma, the members of the tribe, you know, they certainly have their work cut out for them moving forward, <laughs> trying to, you know, navigate this, this new reality. Well, that's it. Um, there's actually, I think, five tribes that have some kind right. of historical claim. You got the Cherokee, the Chickasaw, the Choctaw, the Creek, and the Seminole. And right. um, this part of Oklahoma is the fourth largest producing uh, area of oil in the country. Um, it, it really counts for somewhere just under 10% of oil production. And, and so now we have claims to what is in the ground. Now you've got a tax mm. revenue thing. Now you've got cities mm. and towns that don't know what to do. I mean, Zach, this is, I think this is one of the more epic, consequential decisions out of the Supreme Court. What the heck was Gorsuch thinking? Well, and, and as a practical matter, don't forget, you know, this decision dealt with a tribal land in Oklahoma, but there are a number of other yes. reservations and tribal lands around Across the, the country States as yes. well. Right. And so although there are some unique aspects to the way Congress gave the land to the, to the five tribes in Oklahoma, you know, these same arguments can be made for many other tribal lands around the country. And so I would suspect over the next, you know, months and years, we're going to see these same types of issues percolating their way up through the lower courts uh, around the country in a lot of ways. Um, and if we go back to, to your question, you know, kind of what was Justice Gorsuch thinking? You know, he, he took a very literal approach to, to the statutes, you know, and he said basically Congress made promises to these tribes and they need to, to keep their promises which is, you know, a a noble sentiment. But what the four dissenting justices said basically is, look, it's Congress's duty. Congress has the authority to establish kind of the appropriate course of action, you know, in a lot of areas, including the best way to, to negotiate and deal with these five tribes in Oklahoma. And what Congress did 113 years ago when they admitted Oklahoma to the state they essentially disestablished the reservations and gave all Native Americans citizenship and voting rights. And so Congress intended, by the totality of its actions, to essentially create the state of Oklahoma out of what had previously been tribal land. And so, you know, it is shocking in a lot of ways that that all of a sudden we have this land reverting back to, to tribal status where for the past 113 years, the, the United States, co- the United States, the Congress, the state of Oklahoma, and even the tribes themselves uh, have not considered this to be tribal land. <laughs> well, 
you've got corporate property, obviously, with the oil companies, and you've got private property. So now it isn't just about the oil, but it is that's a big one. But now you've got private property. Um, <laughs> right. And, and, and so now you're going to end up with the takings clauses. I mean, Zach, I, I, I think that well, there's some kind of discussion now about shared jurisdiction or something. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because essentially one of the laws that Congress passed, you know, over a hundred years ago basically said that if you are a, a member of an Indian tribe or recognized Indian tribe, uh, that any crimes you commit, uh, whether you're the, you know, the aggressor or the victim, uh, those crimes have to be tried in, in federal court. And so like the issue in this case, you know, there are thousands of cases where Oklahoma has tried these individuals in state court and convicted them for very serious crimes. And, and again, all of those um, uh, convictions are now potentially at risk. And it's just it, it's a it's a mess. Um, but Justice Gorsuch made the point and it it's a point well taken. You know, Congress can step in and pass legislation. Uh, to kind of correct this situation. And unless, you know, Oklahoma officials, tribal officials can kind of take superhuman steps and, and make very fast uh, progress on resolving a lot of these issues, uh, Congress may very well have to step in to, to fix, fix this mess. Well, and even, Zach, if that happens, then that law itself would necessarily be challenged. Um, it, it's kind of humorous because years ago I interviewed um, the lobbyist for um, <clears throat> Native Indians, Jack Abramoff, who, interestingly enough, is back in jail, I think. Um, <laughs> but I all, all right. of a sudden see, you know, tribes hiring yet, uh, you know, lobbyists to say, we want all this back. Well, and I think, you know, the dissent highlights it and, you know, even Justice Gorsuch and his opinion acknowledges, you know, there's going to have to be some serious, you know, brass, you know, getting down to brass tax negotiations that take place. Um, and I, you know, just personally kind of I anticipate the one of the, the big issues that will probably come up is tax revenue. How, how you know, how are, are the state of Oklahoma and the tribal authorities going to share tax revenue uh, from this land that's now, you know, in dispute, basically, over who who owns it. Um, uh, we're certainly going to have to go back in history because, I mean, <clears throat> you know, in some cases that property was taken, but in other cases it, well, there may be some, oh, goodness, I guess you'd have to go back through the archives, what they were signed off. I mean, that they released, they waived the rights to this property, to this land, right. or pieces of this land. So, um, whatever comes of this, I, I think in the next three to five years is is going to be very convoluted, and it's going to take uh, the oil companies. They're going to have to have a whole bunch of lawyers. There's going to be lobbyists. There's going to be you know congressional hearings and. <laughs> well, if if nothing else, this decision is great news for uh, lawyers and lobbyists uh, dealing with with anything related oh. to, to Oklahoma <laughs> and the the dispute over this land. Uh, it, it you know it's going to provide pretty full employment for them <laughs> for the next several years. I I would imagine uh, just because there are so many issues uh, that are going to have to be resolved and and worked out.
uh, dealing, you know, trying to resolve the issues that are going to percolate up. Uh, are you uh, are you uh, imagining that other states have taken a very hard look at this decision to the Dakotas or, you know, parts of Texas, Colorado? Um, I mean, something Absolutely. tells there's some there's some mild panic going on here, I would think. Absolutely. I'm sure other states are taking a hard look at this. The other folks that are taking a hard look at this, I'm sure, are the uh, the Department of Justice officials and the U.S. Department of Justice, because essentially what this decision has done is taken things that were formerly handled in state court as state crimes and transferred jurisdiction to, to the federal government to prosecute those crimes. And so, you know, typically most U.S. attorney's offices are smaller uh, don't have the same resources that a state DA's office would have. You know, it's just they're very different um, types of prosecutions that take place. Uh, and so typically most U.S. attorney's offices aren't equipped to handle very well these street-level crimes that state DA's would typically prosecute, you know, rapes, robberies, uh, even murders. You know, U.S. attorneys, federal prosecutors, typically do not handle many murder prosecutions. And so as a practical matter, in, in the immediate future, you know, the U.S. attorney's offices, the DOJ uh, in Oklahoma, is they're going to have to reallocate resources, staff up the office, and probably divert resources from other prosecutions that are, are more appropriate in the federal system. You know, fraud, um, uh, human trafficking type cases that U.S. attorney's offices, FBI, DEA, ATF agents are are better suited to handle. And so, you know, it, it's going to take time for everyone to figure out exactly the, the best path forward here. Going back to the, to the rape side of the case, um, what are the implications on that? Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> here's a guy that was sentenced to, it, what was it, 500 years? Um, a, th- a thousand years plus life. <laughs> Which is a ridiculous thing, but um, <laughs> well, what are the implications of having that thrown out? Well, you know, if if a court is without jurisdiction uh, to hear a case, you know, its decisions are essentially null and void. And so, at least for Mr. McGirt, uh, if you know his his conviction in Oklahoma State Court is no good. And so it'd be up to federal authorities to re-prosecute the case at this point okay. if, if they so choose. Now, as a practical matter, you know, I spent time as an assistant U.S. attorney in the in Pensacola, in the Northern District of Florida. Uh, as a practical matter, that's going to be very, very difficult. You know, the case is 23 years old. Uh, evidence disappears. Memories fade. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a tough tough job to re-prosecute a case that old. Uh, and so the for Mr. McGirt, you know, I'm hopeful that federal authorities will re-prosecute the case and move forward with it because it certainly sounds like it's a righteous prosecution. But uh, more concerning to me are the other potentially 2,000 prosecutions uh, that are now potentially at risk uh, because that's all of those are going to be very time intensive, very fact intensive, and frankly have the, the potential to overwhelm the system in some ways in, in the immediate future. So you're making a distinction between the fact that the state did not have the authority to prosecute, but the fed, federal um, 
powers do. Is that what I'm hearing? It is. Because of the way uh, there's a law called the Major Crimes Act that basically says if you are a, uh, a member of an Indian tribe and you commit a crime, uh, only federal authorities have the uh, jurisdiction ah, to prosecute those crimes. And so essentially, you're going to have two different systems of justice in in half of Oklahoma, including major cities uh, like Tulsa now. And so you can very well be confronted with the, the situation. You know, if you have two, two people walking down the street in downtown Tulsa, um, one's a member of a tribe, one is not, and they both murder somebody, the one who is not a member <laughs> of a tribe would go to Oklahoma State Court and Oklahoma authorities would prosecute that person. The one who is a member of a tribe uh, would be prosecuted by federal authorities in federal court. And so it's it's an odd result to have this dual system of justice. And again, typically, U.S. attorney's offices, federal prosecutors uh, are not equipped to handle this uh, street level uh, type crime. So would it not be fun to be sitting in law school and a law professor putting this case out there and and having I mean, think about it. I mean, this has got this has got all kinds of peace parts to it. It's got, you know, the validity of treaties. It's got um, I mean, land. It's got business. It's got taxes. It's got property rights. It's (laughs) well, you know, just just. Justice Gorsuch, you know, is he takes a textualist approach to interpreting the Constitution. And he, he's done, you know, he's done that across the board. And the other big decision this term where he reached, um, uh, I think, a mistaken result, you know, purportedly on textualist grounds is the Title VII case in uh, where he basically said transgender status is protected under Title VII. And so Justice Kavanaugh in that case wrote, wrote a very powerful dissent. Uh, where he basically said, you know, he he pointed out the flaws in Justice Gorsuch's textualist analysis, but he basically made a made a bigger point that said, look, who's supposed to decide these important issues, uh, you know, that that fundamentally reshape our society? Is it supposed to be us, the courts, a group of unelected mm-hmm. judges, or is mm-hmm. it supposed to be Congress, the people's representatives? And I think that logic is equally applicable here, you know, for for these major changes that fundamentally change the the d- dynamics of everyday life in very important ways. Uh, it's more appropriate for Congress rather than the courts to step in and make these these life altering decisions. And so I am hopeful that Congress will take a proactive approach to this case, uh, will, you know, look at the issues this case has created and hopefully take appropriate steps to, to correct it. And so I'm seeing, you know, some kind of weird amicus briefs coming from <laughs> Alabama and Georgia and Florida. <laughs> of course. I mean, many states, even states, you know, we typically don't think of as having yeah, uh, yeah. tribes within their borders or, you know, having ongoing Ooh. interactions with tribes and their members are all potentially affected uh, by this by this decision. And so it's, uh, you know, like I said, it's it's good news for lawyers and lobbyists, uh, not so good news probably for everyone else. Crazy. Um, and why, why do you suppose that the media hasn't kind of focused in on this particular Supreme Court decision? Well, they're, you know. They don't know what to do with it, right? 
they don't know what to do with it. There were so many uh, monumental decisions coming out of the Supreme Court, yeah. term, you know, uh, dealing with President Trump, abortion rights, uh, faithless electors. You know, unfortunately, this one kind of fell through the cracks. Uh, but, you know, you essentially have a situation where one night somewhere close to two million people went to bed uh, thinking they live yes. uh, on land that's in the state of Oklahoma. The next night they went to bed, uh, they were on an, uh, a tribal reservation. And they're renters. So, uh, yeah, well, un- unclear. You know, the status of the title is uh, is potentially unclear. Um, and so the the I think we're in a lot of ways, we're really only beginning to scratch the surface of the the areas that this decision will affect, the implications of this decision. And it would not surprise me. Uh, it, I mean, I think we're certainly going to see a lot of litigation coming out of this decision. And it wouldn't surprise me if at some point it, it makes its way back to the Supreme Court again. Well, the treaties will. If for nothing else, the treaties are certainly, and I think we're going to have to go back to the early 1800s um, to start looking at some of these treaties and then some Supreme Court decisions going even back to that. So, uh, goodness, well, Mr. Sexsmith. <laughs> well, not, not only, only the treaties, but also the subsequent, you know, 150, uh, you know, 160-year history since then because yes. Congress has taken a lot of actions passed a lot of laws since then uh, dealing with uh, interactions with you know tribes and tribal lands so it's it's uh, it's certainly a tall task Zach Smith thank you for this I'm very happy we could cover it uh, you know and I hope the listeners necessarily learn some of the uh, consequences of this particular decision I mean it's a big one um, and appreciate your attention to this one. Uh, I may have to call on you <laughs> sometime soon to see what's in the pipeline, the legal pipeline, because I imagine there's going to be a bunch of it. But um, thank you, Mr. Zach Smith. And ladies and gentlemen, there's more coming your way on the Denise Simon Experience. So stay with us. in the morning. It really gets me off to work. Oh, oh, uh, AmericanPrideRoasters.com AmericanPrideRoasters.com December 16th, 1773. And now, what really happened at the Boston Tea Party? (laughs) What are they doing? They're throwing all the king's tea and coffee into the harbor to protest taxation without representation. Do you think we should stop them? I really like my coffee. Come on, it's not American Pride Roasters. Yeah, that would be a trebuchet mockery. American Pride Roasters, the choice coffee of real American patriots for over 250 years. That's right. Get yours today at AmericanPrideRoasters.com. No one likes to think about disasters or what could happen to you or your family if you find yourself in the middle of one. Look around you. Don't you wish that uh, maybe a few months ago you had gone to preparewithmojo50.com and picked up an emergency food supply? The reason is not that you're panicked. The reason is that you want to be ready for anything. Look what happened at the grocery stores in the last few weeks. There are others out there who tend to lose their minds when things aren't normal. You, however 
are smart. You know how to do things the right way. You know how to be prepared. You know how to take care of your family. And it shows. I mean, you listen to Mojo 5 So go to preparewithmojo50.com. You will find a special deal for you as a Mojo listener on a food supply, an emergency food supply that will ensure that you have enough food for you and your family for months, however long you decide you need the supply for. It really is a great deal, and it's about being ready for anything. Preparewithmojo50.com. You know what makes you feel really good about yourself? Doing something good for somebody else. If you'd like to do that today, go to JDRF.org. Join them in the fight against type 1 diabetes. JDRF.org. It's something good you can do for the world. JDRF.org. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Denise Simon Experience, where we are heard worldwide on Mojo Five O. I got Terry Turchy with us. Terry is—he's become a buddy. We text from time to time, and and I learn so much just in the few words that he puts in a text message. But um, Terry spent—I uh, don't know—I think what thirty-three years in the FBI. Um, Thirty years, right? 30 years as the deputy assistant director of the counterterrorism division, most famously known as solving the Unabomber case, but he is also a successful author. And he was with us, uh, I don't know, a couple of months ago with his newest book in their own words. And ladies and gentlemen, you can find the book at all the normal places. And I suggest you do. Um, I will tell you it's a, it's a, <laughs> I just told Terry, I said, it's a hard read while it is so full of everything that you need to know. And I mean, need to know you, you find out when you finish a chapter, you didn't want to know it. So you kind of have to take a breather before you go on to the next chapter. (laughs) 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 I mean, Terry, thank you for the book. And, um, you know, thanks for being with us. I mean, it's excellent work. It, It, you know, I, I got to the first chapter and I said to myself, where's Bill Ayers? What's he doing? (laughs) He comes in later. (laughs) No, I mean today. (laughs) Oh, today. Well, he's probably helping orchestrate all of this. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's his plan. It absolutely is. Well, it's really kind of a remarkable thing. Now, now help, help me and my listeners a little bit, if you would, because... You know, we read headlines and we think that's kind of the end of the story. And and sometimes when you read the whole article, you still didn't get the rest of the story. But there are so many clues in headlines and articles. And, you know, the, the FBI, you know, the, the good guys on the ground doing all the hard work, you know, they have to take every clue and they have to determine whether the clue is worth pursuing or there's something that's really there and they must go after it. So they kind of have to prioritize cases, but you know, tell us what the FBI is like through the eyes of an FBI person. Sure. Would be happy to do that, Denise. Um, First of all, uh, let me just say this about the book real fast. And that is that much of what's in this book kind of starts to take place back in the the, uh, late 60s, early 70s. And you almost have to know that history 
to understand what is going on today. And the, uh, the FBI back in the 60s and 70s was a very, very different organization than it is today. In fact, the FBI that I left in uh, 2001 is a very different organization than it was then. And so uh, in, in, in the area of counterintelligence and counterterrorism, the Bureau back in the 60s and 70s was able to focus its efforts and its, its manpower, its agents, on a group called the Weather Underground. And the Weather Underground was essentially a communist-minded group that's their own self-description, communist-minded men and women who felt like they needed to uh, foist a revolution upon America. And, and their remedy for uh, what they hated, which was capitalism, their remedy was communism. And so they put together a very extensive plan, but in their day back in the 60s and, the, and into about, I, I say, the early 80s, uh, they were actually using violent acts to try to bring about this revolution. The Weather Underground was involved in almost 3,000 bombings across <gasps> this country of, of police stations, of government installations, of uh, military bases. And so when we think we have it bad today when we see some of these protests, the protests back in the 60s and 70s made these protests today look pretty bad. I mean, pretty, pretty uh, nothing, essentially. So against the backdrop of protests, which the, the on-the-surface excuse was the Vietnam War. But what they did is they used these, all of these people that they could mass in, in America's cities, and it kind of sent a message. Everybody looking at the TV would have thought, wow, all of the country wants America out of Vietnam, Right. But really what it was is they used these groups, they used these demonstrations, they used these protests as kind of a cover for what they were doing in the Weather Underground, which was also the violent part of the revolution. And so back then, the FBI had all the authority it needed to go after these kind of terrorist acts, to go after the bombings of the bases and police stations. And uh, at the same time, there was another group called the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. And that group grew up out of Oakland, and it, it, it essentially involved a guy named Huey Newton, another guy named Bobby Seale. They were co-founders. And uh, this is going to sound very familiar to today, but they also were Mal or Marxist-Leninist-type group. Uh, Huey Newton said, in fact, we want nothing less than a, quote, total transformation of uh, American government, American society. And uh, they were committing acts of violence. They were actually... Uh, along with their, their uh, successors, the Black Liberation Army, they were actually killing police officers. They, they are responsible for the murder of at least three dozen police officers during the 60s and 70s across America. So these Can I, let me add in something real fast, because um, at the sure. time, Hillary Clinton was working for a law firm in Oakland that defended the Black Panthers. Carry on. That is, that is such a great point, and I'm glad you put that in there, um, Denise, because we're going to get back to her. And she was at that time being, being mentored by, of all people, uh, and probably a lot of your uh, listeners have heard of the name, Saul Alinsky. So we get back to that and kind of tie that into this. Uh, but I'm glad you, you put that in there there. Um, so these two groups, the Weather Underground, the Black Panther Party, had a kind of a loose alliance. The Weather Underground decided at some point that the, the way the revolution in America should look is the, the black liberation army types, the black power advocates, if you want to say that, 
they know how to do this stuff. They know how to be violent. And so that's good. We can learn from them, but they can also learn from us because it's our duty to build within American society an anti, this is their term, an anti-racist white group of people. And it will be the anti-racist whites, the weather underground strategy, and the black power movement that ultimately will bring about revolution and socialism to be followed by communism in America. So that's the kind of the state of play in the late 60s going into the early 70s. And the the match that the Weather Underground proposed using to kind of keep this revolution back then going was the spark that would come from the term uh, systemic racism, police brutality, and institutional racism on behalf of American society. That was how they planned on mobilizing people, turning them out in the streets, and then uh, literally showing America that, look, everybody is rebelling against the government. Then along comes the violent part of this. And in their mind, okay, the U.S. government has swept off its feet and we take power. That's how they viewed things. Well, it didn't turn out that way because at the time the FBI was able to go out and essentially use its counter, it's very broad in those days, counterintelligence authority and counterterrorism authority to uh, kind of neutralize their, their, uh, their game. And, and the FBI did things like, first of all, it identified all of the people who were in the Black Panther Party, who were affiliated with the Black Liberation Army, who were part of the Weather Underground, identified all those people, started building cases individually on them, started tying them to these bombings. And in a few years, the Weather Underground fugitives were on the run. They were uh, heading up to Canada, heading to Mexico, heading to Cuba, Cuba. heading overseas to Europe. Uh, the uh, Black Panther Party completely fell apart because there were so many kind of neutralizing operations directed against them. And so this threat just kind of collapsed and America moved on. And not only did it move on, as we all know, back in the 1980s, America was uh, such a stable and significant influence in the world and had some good leadership there in, in spurts. And what happens? Well, literally, the communist wall falls all over the world, right? The Berlin Wall falls. Uh, the former Soviet Union breaks apart. So we know that we had the magic formula, right? Well, now, uh, along comes the Weather Underground with their strategy called Prairie Fire. Prairie Fire was written in 1974. It's, a, it's essentially a manifesto for revolution. And they acknowledge that we got a lot of things wrong. Uh, you know, we're all in different parts of the country right now or the world because we're being looked for by the Bureau. But here's what we're telling you. We're leaving this document, Prairie Fire, 189 pages. And if you think my book's hard to get through, uh, wow, mm -hmm. the Prairie Fire document could be really hard. Mm -hmm. But in that document, which they laid out their strategy called, quote, resistance, they said, here's where we made mistakes, but here's where you can go from here. Because prairie fire and the revolution are a continuous item. They're a continuous thing. So I got with Don Bracken, who uh, is the publisher at History Publishing Company, about a year and a half ago. I said, Don, uh, it looks to me like the Democratic Party in their 2016 platform has essentially adopted the prairie fire strategy of resistance to take over political power because these groups that sprung up during the Obama administration, 
uh, like Black Lives Matter, uh, the Occupy movement, you know, the, the whole idea of the demonstrations returning <clears throat> looks a lot to me like what was happening in the 60s and 70s. And thus we wrote this book in their own words and we started researching it. It became a little bit scary. And, uh, you know, this book came out a few months ago and literally we thought the hardest thing we would have to explain was the title, <clears throat> excuse me, and which the rest of the, the title in their own words, the Democratic Party's push towards a communist America. But since this book came out, they have actually made it a lot easier to understand exactly <laughs> yes. what it means. Because this last round of, uh, of riots and, and looting and violence and demand, and, and they've just really, literally, they've exploded on the scene. And it is really identical. What they're doing is, is just lifted right from the pages of In Their Own Words, but certainly lifted from the, the pages of Prairie Fire. They used what happened, which was a terrible tragedy. They used what happened in, um, in uh, the George yeah, Floyd matter. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they turned around, and we are still kind of on the, the end of weeks and weeks and weeks of, uh, of violence. And while that's going on, we're literally hearing from the uh, Black Lives Matter uh, leaders things like, we'll burn the system down, mm -hmm. uh, we'll start on uh, monuments and statues of Jesus next. And then we have, of course, the co-founders saying, look, we're trained Marxists. And that's a quote. So that's where we started with this book, and that's kind of where we are right now. Well, you use some words, which are their words, that we're hearing today. Uh, transformation, resist, revolution, occupy. Um, and those words don't, uh, they're, they're not being used as an accident. I mean, it, it is, they dusted off a prairie fire, and I would say extracted certain paragraphs, and then here they come. They end up in emails. They end up in pamphlets. They end up in, you know, community organizing. They end up in text messages. They end up in media. They end up in a plan, um, which started, I would say, in earnest with the inauguration of Trump and because yep. we had the resist exactly. movement then. And so uh, then, then we got to... Uh, the whole Russiagate thing. And then we got to Brett Kavanaugh. And now, um, uh, you know, under the cover of COVID-19, a pandemic, let's let's make it worse and really burn the place down. Um, the, the, the country is shut down to stop the spread, uh, but let's keep it there, right? It, you're exactly right. And just to add some, uh, examples to what you said on the words. Uh, think about it in, in these terms. They had several goals, and the goals of Prairie Fire, of what the Weather Underground, as to how they could carry out the revolution, compared to what was in the uh, Democratic, platform, Democratic Party yes. platform several years ago. Uh, here's, here's an example. Uh, one of the goals of communism, one of the goals of Weather Underground, destroy capitalism, right? And that was a that was the Saul Walensky goal, by the way. Well, what did we just hear AOC, who's certainly admitted to being a, a, an advocate of democratic socialism, which is a lot of uh, fancy wording for essentially socialism. But what did she say? She said on the air, capitalism is irredeemable. 
So she's picked that up. And that's now I mean, the Democrats own that. She's a Democrat. So if they want her in the in the party, well, hey, somebody had to tell us, do you think capitalism is irredeemable? Because she said that uh, the uh, Prairie Farm Manifesto talked, as you and I have talked about, about the institutional racism of American society. Well, what have we heard? What was in the Democratic Party platform? Democrats will fight to end institutional racism. Like you said, they didn't even bother to change the wording. Uh, international solidarity. It's, it's kind of like looking for all the gold nuggets, you know, when you're panning gold yes, at, the, at the river. Yes. Uh, international solidarity is the one that can always tip it over if you're having trouble figuring this out and you're looking at a group because uh, they're all locked and loaded. And, and to give you an example, just recently, uh, one of the co-founders of the uh, Black Lives Matter talked about the fact that we're not just national, we're international. international. And, and that was a clear message. When Barack Obama talks about, oh, we got to go to the U.N. about this uh, when he was president. Well, the United Nations. Uh, look, the global communist movement uh, knows full well that, you know, they pretty much own the United Nations. And, and I worked that when I was an FBI agent. I understood the connection between who they sent to the U.N. and how they doubled as diplomats and then turned around and spent their spare time, uh, you know, committing uh, intelligence activities. So uh, the international solidarity part is just really uh, significant. And then, and then another aspect, the revolutionary transformation that any communistic document is going to talk about. Well, that's everywhere. As I said, Huey Newton co-founded the Black Panthers, went to Boston College in 1970 and said, we're all about the total transformation of America. Uh, we've all heard Barack Obama uh, in five days is going to be a fundamental, fundamental. forming mm -hmm. of America. Yes. So the, the words are all there and, and that's how they talk to each other. And uh, it's really sad because um, all of these groups now are starting to really come back with, with tremendous potential power Force. because now, mm -hmm. because now the democratic party has attached itself to them and to the quote movement by virtue of the people within the party. And you're exactly right. And, and I, I wanted to add those examples to kind of hook it all up for, for people. Um, <laughs> we had something at one point called the house for un-American activities. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to bring that back in, in a modern day form. Um, would, would that even be possible? We'd have to do the Senate for un-American activities because it would never happen in the House right now. But, I mean, Terry, it is, it is absolutely remarkable. These un-American activities are um, a... Uh, if you looked at a threat matrix, every part of public safety is threatened. Every part of it. What, I mean... Well, Denise, uh, you know... <laughs> when you say that, and let's, let's assume I say right to you right now, which I'm going to, yes, we do need that. So what would happen to you and I? Well, we, we would immediately be branded as we're, yeah, we're out there now chasing the red scare. So let's look at it another way. Okay. What, if Americans were, what if Americans were told this morning, and, and that's what we're going to do uh, together, what if they were told well, look, you see all that's going on in Seattle. You see and you're hearing people like us talk about uh, the Prairie Fire uh, first attempt at revolution. You're hearing all this. 
What if we were to tell you today, the FBI, the U.S. government, there is not one single mechanism in place to protect our country from all of what is going on today. That's why we don't know a lot of these people. The Bureau, the other agencies, the people responsible for protecting and preserving our country and our Constitution are hands off on these people. We don't even collect domestic intelligence anymore. Police departments uh, hardly collect it. On top of that, look what's happened. Whether the Republicans were to win office or not, with this massive layering of sanctuary cities, Mm. and I think there's close to 600 now, we have really uh, the Democrats, whether they're in government or not, they have a power base in the cities. And guess what? Go back and read Prairie Fire. What's it say? The cities will be ours. That's exactly what it says. And like, the, like our heroes, Fidel Castro and Che Guevara, we will own the cities. And from there, we will plant the seeds of the revolution. I mean, and so this is really a dangerous situation because literally we have, and I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I'm going to say to you, uh, uh, Denise, that I think Black Lives Matter uh, is, is a terrorist organization. We've, we've heard them threaten the country. We've heard them. Uh, we've seen the protests. But then these protests are always followed by violence. Well, who's committing that violence? We need to start knowing. We've seen them uh, collect millions and millions of dollars, and yet their co-founders have already told us we are trained Marxists. In fact, one of them went so far as to say, I was trained personally by a former member of the Weather Underground. That's not a lie. And so, uh, you know, this is really... uh, really getting dangerous because how long do you let these kinds of organizations yes. essentially extort business and extort government and then have the democratic party make them look uh, totally legit by posting legislation on something like police reform i mean this is really becoming more dangerous than people can imagine I have read um, a couple of states' uh, laws on their respective states' books about gangs and what a gang is. And the most recent one I did was for the state of California. And if you read through that law, (laughs) fascinatingly enough, that fully explains Black Lives Matter. It fully explains explains Antifa, and it fully explains um, Boogaloo. So it's not like you need the feds to necessarily step in because the, the, the governors can. And the prosecutors, <laughs> I say that loosely, um, they have the arrows in their quiver to handle this under gang law. Then we have RICO. It's remarkable to me that we aren't making, we, we aren't doing these massive we we haven't you know mobilized and done a complete nationwide sting um which would take a whole bunch of resources for sure i mean that may take thousands and thousands of people but thousands and tens of thousands are being affected so i mean you kind of have to weigh the the resources and i would think that if Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI, tapped a whole bunch of former FBIers like you on the shoulder and said, hey, can you kind of come back and um, be a task force for about 90 days? You guys would jump at that chance, eh? 
Well, uh, I think we would. Yeah, if you needed manpower and you had the the legal go ahead to do that, we'd be. Uh, I, I can tell you, there'd be a lot of people who'd want to do that. And everything you just said is absolutely true. All of those tools are available. The problem I think right now is most of this activity is going on in cities where and and they're states protected where where they're protected by the Democratic elected officials. And uh, you can take uh, Seattle as a great example. Uh, here we find out when, when we first heard all of this breaking and the establishment of the, uh, the initial, uh, I guess it was called CHOP zone, uh, <laughs> you, you have a city council member that literally let all those people inside of the uh, precinct that had been uh, abandoned. And, and so you, you've got a real terrible situation where the local police, they're probably being told by the politicians there, you can't collect a thing and you certainly can't share it with the feds. And so we have a real breakdown. And, and let's face it, um, whether people agree or don't agree with us on Black Lives Matter and, and TIFA and some of these other organizations, uh, if you're not communicating between the locals and you're a, a federal agent, FBI agent, say, for example, working counterterrorism, uh, you could miss something very, very important that could have to do with the next international terrorist attack. Yes. And so they're not helping us. They're not helping us in a, in a world that's troubled with other stuff and other big problems uh, in doing what they're doing and in letting things like this go on for weeks at a time. But, but you're right. All the tools you talk about are there. But here's, a, here's something, and I don't know if you've heard about this, but about a year and a half ago, uh, the F, some FBI analyst, you know, Bob Mueller transformed the FBI to, to have lots of analysis. So a paper was published called on black extremism. And uh, it, it I, I, heard the, I, I watched the hearing in Congress on that one. There you go. Set the alarm off on black extremism. And Hakeem Jeffries from the Congressional Black Caucus sent uh, Christopher out. Ray a letter. And he said, hey, we, we don't like this. There isn't any such thing. And uh, guess what happens? Uh, about six months later, Ray just kind of folds black extremism into, um, into the, the general category of domestic terrorism. So, you know, with that kind of thing going on, it's really hard to get an appropriate handle on, uh, on these kinds of things. Well, I, I think what some of these governors slash mayors and prosecutors, judges, DAs are doing and, and or not doing are really, I mean, they're criminal, but, you know, I don't know where the feds can go with these criminal acts, but certainly under a civil, um, I would think that the Department of Justice would have some tools there. Um at least we can say that there are some arrests being made, um, and a lot of that is not getting publicized. I'm, I'm, you know, looking at FBI emails that come in to me, you know, 20 a, a day, and at least there are some arrests being made, and, and some local police are, are doing, you know, their jobs. But then it comes down to the prosecutors, like, you know, little Miss Kim Gardner over there in St. Louis, not prosecuting, or the judge is going, hey, um, we'll, we'll just let you go. We know that you've got a hundred other arrests on your rap sheet, but, you know, we'll give you a, a no bond. See you later. Do a hundred hours of community service. So, <laughs> Well, in, in defense of, of Miss Gardner, Denise, I think she's busy prosecuting 
people defending their property, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It is chaos, Mr. Terry Turchie. Um, I'm so pleased that you could be with us, and congratulations on the book. In their own words, ladies and gentlemen, on Amazon, um, you are doing yourself a disservice if you don't read this book because Terry did a lot of the, the, I mean, did all the legwork to put everything in context. And you do have to look back to see where we are today. And he proves that point. Um, so I guess now I'm going to have to go read the 2016 Democratic platform again. I read part of it, um, but I guess I'm going to have to go do that. And, you know, while we don't have really Congress in session, we do have a chance to get on social media and say shame on you, Nancy Pelosi, for the uh, AOCs and the Ilhan Omars and, you know, the, the rest of them. Um, I mean, it, they've really, truly bought into the Communist Manifesto, and it, it cannot be denied. It can't even be argued. Um, Terry, thank you for this. It, it, you know, and I hope, um, you know, you, you, you keep being such a swell person by responding to my text messages. I've tried to lay <laughs> off you for a while. Cause I thought, you know, he's, he's probably sleeping or having, you know, a joyful day until a Denise Simon um, text message comes in. But thank you for the book. Um, and ladies and gentlemen, there's more coming your way on the Denise Simon experience. So stay with us. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five-0.